Bills Mafia, what is up? And welcome into another episode of the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross. I am your host. You can find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore Gross underscore. We are a part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. And unfortunately, I am coming to you today on a not victory Wednesday. The Buffalo Bills lost on Monday night. I was there. I was at the game with my wife. That was my uh, birthday present. She was very generous, and although we didn't win, I still had fun. Uh, we were sitting in the scoreboard end zone, uh, not the tunnel end zone, and I'd never sat in the end zone, and quite frankly, I really enjoyed the, the seats there. Usually, I sit right on the 50-yard line. Uh, I, I really had a lot of fun in the end zone. The people around us were nice. That was a bonus, but obviously, the main goal is that you want your team to win when you go and the Buffalo Bills did not win. They lost 14-10 to in a very weird game to the New England Patriots. Uh, I'm not going to break down the entire game. I know there's lots of podcasts and YouTube shows that do that. They do a good job. That's not really what interests me necessarily. I really like exploring the narratives and the reasons why something happened or didn't happen. So I am going to be covering... Um, some of the narratives that, that are out there, uh, especially on Twitter, about why people think the Bills lost. And then I'm going to tell you the reason why I think that the Bills lost. First off, I want to say that I do not believe that most of the, the more popular narratives are the reason that the Bills lost. I've seen everything on Twitter from fire Brian Dable, the play calling was terrible, uh, run the ball more, throw the ball more, all different kinds of stuff. And I think it comes down to one or two key components that I've seen mentioned a little bit, but not a lot. First off, I want to say that I think the defense played pretty well. Obviously, you don't want to let up 226 or 236 rushing yards, whatever it was. It was a lot of rushing yards. And I don't subscribe to this. Oh, well, if you take out the 64-yard play, blah, 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 blah. Look, the play happened. We, we can't just go and erase what plays we we want to, to erase from the game. Like, it happened. There were 70,000 of us in the stadium, millions of, of them watching on TV, right? We all saw it. It happened. So why are we trying to, like, eliminate it from, from the lexicon? There's no reason to. They gave up a big play. On that particular play, I'll explain what happened in a minute from what I saw from the non-20, all-22. I don't have access to the all-22 yet. It hasn't been released to the public. So I'll just explain what I saw on the play Anyone who listens to this podcast know that I think that the main problem with the Buffalo Bills is the defensive line, especially the interior, and the offensive line, especially the interior. The interior of the offensive lines are not good. I don't think that in the passing game, I don't think the Bills' offensive line was that bad, really. And I think the Bills' defensive line was pretty good, not great. I'll say that in the running game, the Buffalo Bills are not equipped to run the ball. They don't get any push on the line of scrimmage. They play with a high pad level. The running backs are not great, especially Zach Moss. Zach Moss, they should trade him in the offseason. I don't know. He's terrible. I don't want Zach Moss on my team anymore. And I think that a large portion of the Buffalo Bills problems cannot be fixed because it, it requires serious changes to the roster. And obviously you can't do that in December. You have to wait until the draft or free agency or training camp 
Those are the times when you change things on the roster. You can't do it now in the middle of December. It's just not going to happen. So I think people who say, well, oh, they just need to do this or they just need to do this are neglecting the fact that the offensive line sucks at run blocking. Like, they're just not good at it. And if the the Bills need to figure out who they are, like Sean McDermott, I believe Sean McDermott and Brian Dable are having a little bit of a conflict. I do believe that Brian Dable would like to run the ball. I don't think there's this like thing where like Brian Dable and Sean McDermott are at each other's throats and all that stuff. I don't think it's it's anything like that. But you don't have the personnel. Like McDermott has to realize that they don't have the personnel to run the ball the way they want. So until that happens, hopefully this offseason, the Bills have to embrace what they are and they have to throw the football. That That's just who they are. And I, I had a few people, uh, you know, very adamantly I saw on Twitter talking about the wind. Okay. I can tell you I was at the game. No, I was not on the field. You know, I was, what, 30 rows up, whatever it is. Uh, I was on the, the second level in the end zone. It really wasn't that windy in the stadium for me. I, I saw the flags moving, obviously, on the field. I know it was windy on the field. But, like, if you, I went back and watched the game today. You know, Josh Allen was throwing rockets all game long. He didn't seem really very bothered by the wind. So if, if your main takeaways that oh it wasn't fair to Josh Allen that like the wind affected him I didn't see any of that he looked like the same Josh Allen pretty much he really managed the wind well I I didn't really notice much that that didn't jump off the screen at me to all at all when I watched the game back It, it didn't even didn't even register for me I don't think the play call is a problem I know uh a bunch of people said oh the play calling is a problem Brian Dable has to go no it's not there's nothing wrong with the play calling. Again, that's not what jumped off the screen to me. I don't have a problem with Sean McDermott kicking that field goal. It's tough because obviously the ball comes up up very high in the wind like that on the kick, right? So it's going to affect kicks. But with the way the Bills were playing, certainly in the run game, I don't know if they'd run. I'm not super upset about the field goal. But here's here's where I am, and I know we're like seven minutes into this podcast now, and you still don't really I haven't I haven't told you yet what the main reason to me is. And I'll tell you right now, I'm going to go through some scenarios with you. On the Bills' first or second drive of the game, what happens? Dawson Knox drops a pass that would have been a first down. A little while later, Matt Breida fumbles. Turnover. The the 64-yard run, what happened? It's pretty obvious if you just watch. You can even see it on the broadcast. They showed the all-22 angle on the broadcast. You've got Matt Milano and Micah Hyde both overran that play. They were... They overran it because they were expecting or they had been conditioned by what the Patriots had done before, that it was going to be more of a wide zone, like toss, like way to the outside. And the Patriots just cut it back more up the middle. And at that moment in time, it's certainly Hyde's responsibility as as the last man back there that he can't overrun that. And Milano overran it too. So just don't overrun it. Then we get a Spencer Brown penalty. Then Josh Allen runs into a sack, just like runs right into it. And again, Dawson Knox, another drop on third down. Then you've got first and goal from the six-yard line. Zach Moss decides that he's going to do his favorite thing, which is like running into contact. Meanwhile, if he looks a little bit to his right and goes to his right, there's nobody there and he scores a touchdown. And then Josh Allen gets sacked. That's the one where he like tripped over his own guy and then got up and then got hit by, I believe it was Godshaw. The next thing is that Josh Allen does this annoying thing 
this especially this season where he like just expects them to call a penalty, a free play, and he's just like, oh, I'm just gonna throw it wherever. When they never even threw the flag, you have to like see them throw the flag. You can't just assume that they threw the flag. That's a big mistake. And then of course to finish up the game, we have again a penalty on Dawson Knox. And then we have a throw which could have been a drop by Dawson Knox or a great play by the defender, depending on your point of view. It was really tough for me to see that on the broadcast. I, I'd really need to see that on the All-22, which once again has not been released to the public yet, probably tomorrow morning. I'm recording this Tuesday, so when you're listening to this, the All-22 will probably have been released. And then on the last play of the game, you've got Stefan Diggs one-on-one against J.C. Jackson, and you throw it to Gabe Davis. Why? Why are you throwing that ball to Gabe Davis? And I know everybody likes the toe drag swag. Like, come on. Stephon Diggs is a top five wide receiver in the NFL. He's the the best wide receiver on your roster. He's one-on-one against their best guy. Trust your guy. Trust your guy. Trust your best guy to beat their best guy. And if if he doesn't, then he doesn't. Instead, you throw this, like, wild sort of pass to Gabe Davis, and I don't know if you expected the defender to, like, go somewhere and you weren't expecting him to be there. Throw the ball to Stephon Diggs. He's one-on-one in the corner of the end zone. Let's just see what happens. So what I'm trying to say is it wasn't the play calling. It wasn't the challenge. It wasn't time management. It's execution. And we don't ever talk about this, but execution has been an issue for the Buffalo Bills for like three years now. And it, what I mean by execution is, is I mean doing your job correctly. Think about it. What falls under the umbrella of execution? Penalties, especially pre-snap penalties, false starts, uh, encroachments, delay of game. That's execution. Dropping passes. Look, I'm a biggest Dawson Knox fan there is, man. I love Dawson Knox. I think he's been great this season. This has been this was his worst game of the season. He sort of reverted to, you know, 2020 Dawson Knox, whatever you want to say. Not good. But Sanders had a drop. I think Diggs had two drops. Like there were five or six drop passes. That's execution. If the quarterback hits you in the hand, you have to catch the ball. Zach Moss not bouncing the run outside. Execution. What else is that except execution? Not overrunning the run play. Not getting beat at the line of scrimmage. Getting your pad level lower. Like, execute your job. Imagine if Dawson Knox only has one drop instead of three, or only two drops instead of three. Imagine what happens if Micah Hyde and Matt Milano execute and don't overrun that play. What do you think happens if Dawson Knox doesn't get that penalty? What do you think happens if Spencer Brown doesn't get that penalty? If you take three of those plays or four of those plays out of the ten that I mentioned and turn them into a positive thing and have the player the player execute their job, the Buffalo Bills probably win the game, right? I mean, or almost definitely win the game. But we're out here talking about, old oh, play calling. The play calling was fine. I didn't have any problem with the play calling. I had a problem with the fact that the players didn't do their job. Nobody ever wants to blame the players. It's always, well, we got to get rid of Brian Dable and blah, 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 blah. If you're really a harsh critic, you could make the case that, that Dawson Knox basically lost the game all by himself. Three drops and a penalty. 
I'm not trying to be that rude to Dawson Knox. I think there were other things. Like I said, Matt Breida fumbled. If Matt Breida doesn't fumble and Zach Moss runs for that touchdown, right there, two plays by the running backs. What if Josh Allen doesn't run into that sack? What if Josh Allen throws the ball to Stephon Diggs? And Stefan Diggs scores a touchdown. None of this other stuff even matters. The drops about Dawson Knox doesn't matter. Uh, the sacks don't matter because you would have just won the game on the last play of the game. So it's execution. That's what it comes down to. The Buffalo Bills have a long history under Sean McDermott of not executing. How many times have you seen right in the past, right, Jerry Hughes with all these crazy personal fouls, right? Charles Clay, going all the way back, couldn't catch a touchdown pass from Josh Allen. Josh Allen himself, the the lateral, I know he's a competitive guy. Didn't execute the play, though, right? The Hale Murray. All the guys down there didn't execute that play. It's about execution. I just read you 10 different opportunities the Buffalo Bills had to to change the the way they, the outcome. They started their first two drives, I think, on the the Patriots' side of the 50, or at least two out of the first three. You've got to finish that. You've got to find a way to execute and finish that. Brian Dable can't. Brian Dable doesn't have a play in the playbook called "Get the players to execute." Hey guys, we're gonna run. Get the players to execute. Sean McDermott can't run on the field and like sack the quarterback. Sean McDermott can't run on the field and catch the pass himself. Bobby Johnson's not out there blocking. Now, how much criticism does Bobby Johnson deserve for the offensive line play? I don't know, but. If you're a person who thinks that the that Ike Bocker stinks, that John Feliciano stinks, that Cody Ford stinks, and Daryl Williams is like okay but not great, and if you think that that Brandon Bean has not done a good job of acquiring interior offensive line talent, how how can you then blame Bobby Johnson? Like he's just supposed to magically make these guys who are god awful suddenly become great? I don't know if that's like the job of coaching. Like the the coaches try to accentuate your talents and and make and make your traits better. Bobby Johnson can't just make you if you are crappy at run blocking. I'm not sure that Bobby Johnson can, can just make you just good. Like he doesn't wave his magic wand and sprinkle some fairy dust on you. Come on. I, I didn't have much problem with Josh Allen. I'm not gonna lie. I thought he played pretty good. Like I said, I don't think the win was really much of a factor at all. I thought Harrison Phillips played pretty well to. Almost outstanding. I think we didn't really see much from from Dane Jackson, obviously, in terms of pass coverage. But I think he was pretty physical in run support. And and obviously we'll see next week um, in Tampa. I'm assuming they're going to throw it a little bit more than than the Patriots did. I I thought uh, this might have been Rousseau's best game in like six weeks. I thought certainly he asserted himself well. I think Matt Milano had some good moments. I think uh, Poyer and Hyde had some good moments. Look, I think the, the defense did the best they could, but there's fundamental issues with the defensive line as well. I don't know enough about football to tell you like the solution in terms of what's wrong with the run defense, but I, I'm smart enough to realize that there's something wrong. I don't know if it's gap integrity, guys overrunning plays, guys just getting out physical. I still think the out physical thing is a real thing. And the same thing can be said for the offensive line, the interior. They're not moving anybody anywhere in the run game on the offense. Just like nobody. And while having better offensive linemen would help Singletary and Moss a little, 
just having a better play, a better player at running back plus better offensive lineman, I think would would be ideal, right? Like that's ideally what you want. Like you don't want an average guy with a great. It, it's not that their their skill sets that they're slow. To me, it's just slow getting to the line. I think you've seen what a guy with speed can do, and obviously you wish you could combine like the best traits of Singletary with the best traits of like Matt Breida, right? Like that would probably be the ideal situation. And and th- this whole uh, kick return, punt return thing is crazy to me. Obviously, you guys noticed that the McKenzie and Stevenson were inactive. So you had a guy, you had uh, Taiwan Jones, I think, and Micah Hyde doing stuff, and and McDermott came out and said that he didn't trust McKenzie and Stevenson, and then McKenzie acted like he, like <laughs> he responded to that tweet with like, "Damn, like, like, why did you think you were inactive?" <laughs> but I mean, like, McDermott did say that, like, "Hey, I'm gonna make you inactive because you fumble too much." <laughs> I mean, that that's kind of funny. Um. And the Buffalo Bills got a little punchy in their press conferences, and that's been a big thing on Twitter all day yesterday about, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Look, man, just answer the questions. Like, just answer the questions and, like, move on. Was that, like, the best question that ever got asked? No. But just answer it and move on or deflect it and move on. Or or how many times have you seen athletes and coaches get asked a question and then they don't even answer that question right they're like politicians they just answer a different question or they just start talking just do that like there's no need to cause this like scene and get all mad and have this little emotional like tift after like you're on national television losing to a team that basically didn't throw the ball against you like i understand players are frustrated i get it good you should be frustrated you should be frustrated, but you still got to come out and answer questions because that's how the reporters make money. They they give information to the fans that the fans cannot get themselves. Like I can't just go go there and ask Micah Hyde a question. They won't let me in the building. I don't have his phone number, and he doesn't do Q and A's on Twitter, as far as I know. So what am I supposed to do if I want information? Now I can't tell the reporters what questions to ask, but but that's how the system works. Yes, Jerry Sullivan is grouchy. Look, he thinks it's his job to be grouchy and represent those people and and he has sure he has an old school mentality. He's also been doing this for like 30 years and he's actually pretty good at it. So I know a lot of people out there were like clutching their pearls and and oh my god, he attacked them. Whatever, man, just answer the question. Hey, are you embarrassed? Well, Jerry, no, I don't think we're embarrassed, but, you know, we're frustrated, and it's certainly something that I think we played well overall, but there were times where, and and maybe times over the past two or three years, where we've struggled with the run defense, and is it something that we should have figured out by now? Yeah, we should have, but we haven't, and we're going to get back to work. We're pissed. We're going to do the best we can, and then just move on. I don't understand why that was all necessary. And, and if you're going to say, oh, well, he Jerry Sullivan attacked them. Okay, then just be the bigger person and just give the politicians answer. Like start talking about like, I don't know, like how you stopped them on third down. And just ignore the question altogether. Not really sure why Obata wasn't playing, but I think they could have used Obata. Um, I think Harrison Phillips played well. But again, my overarching point is execution. I know the Bills did well last season, but I think even last season there were times where if you go back and look at it objectively, you're thinking to yourself, 
man, if only the Buffalo Bills had executed on one or two of these other plays, they either would have won the game by more, which I guess doesn't really matter because they still won, or, you know, they would have won. It's the key fundamental. And honestly, I... Don't love the offensive line, but I can't even complain about the offensive line that much. I know they're not good at run blocking, so I wasn't surprised when they couldn't run block. It's the it's the penalties and the drops, man. Th- those have got to stop. you got to stop with these penalties. got to stop with the drop. So, again, if you feel that the wind was the primary issue or the play calling was the primary issue, I'm going to have to disagree with you pretty strongly. If two or three or four of these plays were executed correctly or better i think the buffalo bills win and it wasn't happening so why don't we try to figure out why can't the buffalo bills execute in certain situations why is it always when it's it's third and eight or it's or we're right near the goal line right 10 yard penalty third and 18 why it's like every game there's never any penalties like on first or second down really right it's always third and eight it's always a third and two that gets turned into a third and 12 a third and five that gets turned into a third and 10 i don't know i don't know i don't have the answers But to me, it's execution. If these plays or some of these plays or two of these plays were executed correctly, the Bills win the game. The Bills win the game. So next week, the Bills play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which I'm going to say right now, I'm going to predict a loss for the Buffalo Bills. I think Tampa is a much better team. I think they execute much better. I think their lines are much better. So that's how I feel about that. I don't have a score prediction right now. But obviously, this is this is crunch time right now. The Buffalo Bills have got to start to find a way to string together wins. They've got four games left after that against the Jets, the Panthers, the Falcons, and, and the Patriots. And quite frankly, they probably need to win all four of those games. Right now, the Buffalo Bills are the seventh seed. They're in danger of missing the playoffs. They've got serious issues. Miami is only a game and a half behind. If, if things get really bad, Miami could pass the Bills, and the Bills could be in third place. So they need to execute. These players need to execute. That's the key to this season. Got to find a way to focus, to bear down, to execute, to take every rep more seriously than they already take the reps, I guess. I don't I don't know how to say that. I don't want to be insulting. I don't want to assume that anyone isn't taking their job seriously. I think that that's disingenuous and I'm not going to do that. But I need them to take their job even more seriously, I guess, is, is how I want to say that. Uh, coming up, also, I want to give a little programming note to you guys in the in the future. Um, I think I'll probably start it once the season is over. Hopefully, not, not till February, but most likely in January. Um, we'll be doing a free agency sort of preview on who I, could, who I think is going to be good for the Bills. There's a lot of really nice free agents this year, and uh, I'm looking to probably have some special guests for those episodes. I appreciate I appreciate everybody who is listening right now. Uh, I appreciate everybody who interacts with me on Twitter. Once again, I am part of the Built in Buffalo Network. Occasionally, you'll also catch me on some of the YouTube shows. Please check out the YouTube channel. The guys who do those shows, like Caveman and Jake Jordan and Justice and Izzy, Ryan C has got all kinds of YouTube shows going on. They, those guys do great work. Uh, DM3 jumped on last week. Uh, I think me and A Rich. A Rich does great work. So please check out the YouTube channel. Please check out the podcast network. We've got like 10 podcasts maybe. There's there's some days where we, we release two. So please check that out. I know all the people uh, really work hard on the podcast. Also, if you're on Apple Apple Music, I would we would appreciate. If you could leave a, a rating and a review, that really helps the podcast. It helps more Bills fans find Built in Buffalo. And, of course, Bills Mafia, I cannot leave you without giving you the best piece of advice 
one of the best piece of advice that I've ever given anybody, and that is find a way to embrace your growth mindset. And as always, trust the process.